A very good Friday. Welcome to this edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Coming up in the show here today, we'll bring you feature agricultural news reports, and then we'll check in with national and regional agricultural news headlines as well. And we get started with regional agricultural news right after this. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise, be hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero, Superior Bees, Superior Pollination. Governor Gavin Newsom has signed an executive order to protect the state's water supplies from the impacts of climate-driven extremes and weather. After years of prolonged drought, recent storms resulted in the wettest three-week period on record in California. The storms have been followed by an unseasonally dry February, however, and the state could see a return to warm and dry conditions during the remaining weeks of the wet season, just as heavy rains in fall of 2021 gave way to the driest January to February to March period in over 100 years. While recent storms have helped replenish the state's reservoirs and boosted snowpack drought conditions continue to have significant impacts on communities with vulnerable water supplies agriculture and the environment the latest science indicates that hotter and drier weather conditions could reduce california's water supply by up to 10 percent by the year 2040 the frequency of hydrologic extremes that is being experienced in california demonstrates the need to continually adapt to promote resiliency in a changing climate to protect water supply and the environment given this new reality and until it is clear what the remainder of the wet season will hold, the executive order includes provisions to protect water reserves and replace and replenish the greater share of rain and snowfall that will be absorbed by thirstier soils, vegetation, and the atmosphere. The order helps expand the state's capacity to capture storm runoff in wet years by facilitating groundwater recharge projects. It also continues conservation measures and allows the state water board to reevaluate requirements for reservoir releases and diversion limitations to maximize water supplies north and south of the Delta while protecting the environment. Additionally, the order directs state agencies to review and provide recommendations on the state's drought response actions by the end of April, including the possibility of terminating specific emergency provisions that are no longer needed once there is a greater clarity about the hydrologic conditions this year. Leveraging the more than $8.6 billion committed by Governor Newsom and the legislature in the last two budget cycles to build water resilience, the state is taking aggressive action to prepare for the impacts of climate-driven extremes and weather on the state's water supplies. In the 2023 to 2024 state budget, Governor Newsom is proposing an additional $202 million for flood protection and $125 million for drought-related actions. Supplies of strawberries are becoming more plentiful out of the California and Florida growing regions as both day and nighttime temperatures are rising. Mexican stocks into South Texas are tightening as the region experiences heat-related quality issues. In Oxnard, California, strawberry yields are increasing daily as a warming trend hits the growing area. Quality is good. Green shoulders have been reported. Size is currently medium, 14 to 16 pieces per one-pound clamshell. Expect increasing supplies and lower markets post-Valentine's Day. In 
Santa Maria, California, minimal harvesting is expected to take place this week. Strawberry yields will increase week over week. Size is currently small to medium at 18 to 22 pieces per one pound clamshell. And producers expect rising volume. San Francisco-based Carbon Robotics, a leader in AI-powered robotics, has introduced the industry's first laser thinning capability, continuing a rapid innovation of its state-of-the-art laser weeder. Laser thinning targets areas where vegetable crops are purposefully overseeded and then thinned for optimal crop spacing, growth, and yield. This is particularly valuable for farmers growing any direct seeded leafy green and cold crops such as lettuces and broccoli. By using lasers for thinning, the new solution does not require the use of any chemicals or manual hand labor is unaffected by winter moisture and can be performed during the day or night. As a new software update, all laser weeders in the fleet will now be able to thin as well as weed on a single farm equipment platform. Carbon Robotics is announcing several new software features that boost the functionality and speed of its laser weeder, which includes laser thinning. The laser weeder can be set to a weeding mode, thinning mode, or weeding and thinning mode on its intuitive iPad-based user interface. Prioritized seedline weeding, The laser weeder can be set up to use dynamic or static banding to increase speed and weeding efficiency. Speed optimization. The latest software recommends ideal tractor speed based on grower-desired weed percentage and weed-type kill rates to optimize speed in high-medium and low-pressure weed environments. And 40-plus crop models. New deep learning crop models can be added in 24 to 48 hours. Growers using the laser weeder are reducing annual weed control costs by up to 80%, according to the company, resulting in a break-even on the equipment purchase of one to three years. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. It's there, so they're reading. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. Microplastics are a newer concern in terms of pollutants and one that has many wondering how to best prevent them from entering the pollution stream. Along coastal regions in California, additional concern has arisen about microplastics entering the ocean via rains and winds, and it may surprise some that plastic mulches from coastal agriculture production are a major contributor. This was a topic of discussion at the 2023 UCCE Annual Strawberry Production Research Meeting in early February. We did this assessment back in 2019, and we conducted both bank surveys and um, water surveys where we looked for microplastic monitoring. Um, These were done at 10 separate sites, all which were um, agriculturally dominant, um, and they were also done after rain events. And what we saw from this assessment was that the majority of the plastic we found um, was actually coming from plastic mulch. So when we looked at at these sort of concentrations, what was even more shocking was that the concentrations we found of plastic mulch in these um, waterways within the watershed, all of which drain out to the sanctuary, the concentrations were similar um, to that of the Great Pacific Patch. 
So, um, you know, this number was concerning to us and, and we wanted to understand how can we work together to help bring um, improved management and find end of life solutions uh, for the plastic use in the fields. Now, it's important to consider that a lot of, the, of these, um, you know, fields are in open areas. So not only can the plastic travel out through the waterways, but then also through the wind. And so after we did this assessment, we realized that for some of the plastics, there were already um, available solutions that could be implemented. So if we sort of consider drip tape, um, I know that a lot of you participate in recycling programs. That's excellent. Um, we really promote the, the um, incorporation of those programs or the participation. And so for those that are not familiar with the recycling programs, um, in essence, especially for drip tape and hoop house, the grower will either um, collect this, maybe package it in the field. Uh, they can use like the mega binder to create 1000 pound rolls. And then um, a stakeholder will come in, collect that and take it out to have it be recycled. Ideally, um, and we see this often with drip tape, it'll be recycled back into ag plastic, thus creating a full circle economy. That was Jasmine Mejia Munoz with the California Marine Sanctuary Foundation. Although there are some solutions to ridding plastic mulch waste in agriculture, these aren't the most feasible, and rains and winds can still whisk away waste left behind to form microplastics. One new solution being brought to the table is soil biodegradable mulch. The mulch itself can be paper or plastic and has achieved at least 90% biodegradation in lab testing, according to Mejia Munoz. So we know that recycling mulch might be um, you know, challenging and we might not have current options for that, but what are other options? And so that's when we come across soil biodegradable mulch. So the soil biodegradable mulch um, is, you know, unlike the PE mulch, it's made out of biodegradable material. Um, this can include cellulose, starch, um, and other plastic additives, all of which are biodegradable. Um, in order for them to be considered biodegradable, they have to uh, show under lab conditions that they can biodegrade by 90% within two years. Now, these plastics are designed uh, to be tilled in after the season. Um, and so once they are incorporated into the soil, they'll, the, you know, the, the biodegradation will um, proceed for two years, assumably, presumably within these uh, lab studies. And so again, if, if we're looking at, you know, why consider we have a technology that works and, and we understand the value of having mulch. We understand that without the mulch, um, you know, the mulch presents a lot of benefits It allows for weed control. It allows for less use of agrochemicals. So um, we understand that it also provides environmental benefits, but um, we also recognize that just the large plastic waste generated from it can be a challenge, um, especially for management. So um, with, with this uh, option, we're able to provide an option that reduces labor costs associated with both mulch removal. Again, this, this technology is meant to be tilled in at the end of the season, so you wouldn't have to have a crew that's sort of lifting and collecting that out. Um, and then ultimately, you wouldn't have this waste production going out to the landfill. And if there was, um, you know, plastic that is left behind, then that plastic is theoretically supposed to biodegrade uh, by 90%. During the webinar, Mejia Munoz also told some of what she's heard from coastal growers trialing the soil biodegradable mulch. They really emphasize the need to have 
um, the, the plastic, once it's been tilled, uh, degrade a lot faster. And this is particularly important for um, growers that are co-rotating with partners. So of course, if you're having a lettuce grower follow um, your crop, and you know this this is going to be packaged in the field having these pieces of plastic incorporated into the packaging could be a real problem and can create food safety issues more research to be done on the matter for more information on current research and to hear the rest of the discussion visit the link in the description of today's show below to view the zoom webinar recording and enter the accompanying password for my ag life i'm taylor charlstrom Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. Top House and Senate Ag lawmakers are honing in on ad hoc disaster aid as a funding source to prop up farm safety net programs in the upcoming Farm Bill amid expected scarce new federal dollars. The search for Farm Bill dollars has begun. Looking to see if there's ways to mitigate you know, costly uh, ad hoc uh, the disaster funding, which is which is important, but it's on. There's too much uncertainty around it. That is House Ag Chair Glenn G. T. Thompson, who suggested the need for more farm bill funding on a recent Farm Policy Facts podcast and to build out existing programs to better meet the current needs. Like reference prices too low to trigger to help farmers in need amid soaring input costs, war, disasters, supply chain disruptions, and more. Senate Ag Ranking Republican John Boozman also put a spotlight on ad hoc disaster dollars recently as a funding source. We're spending the money anyway. $70 billion is a huge amount of money compared to the $3 billion, less than $3 billion that we're, you know, that are in their actual programs. Asking aloud how to capture some of that $70 billion to put in standing programs like ARC and PLC and enhance others like crop insurance and dairy margin coverage. Even more important as the House GOP majority fights to rein in the federal debt and deficit. The Department of Agriculture has announced new investments and strategies to help farmers and ranchers conserve water, address climate change, and build drought resilience in the West. The effort is through the Western Water and Working Lands Framework for Conservation Action to address key water and land management challenges across 17 Western states. The framework includes guidelines for identifying vulnerable agricultural landscapes and 13 strategies to help natural resources conservation state leaders, water resource managers, and producers respond to priority challenges. Guided by this new framework, the Water Smart Initiative will invest $25 million in these new priority areas and 37 existing priority areas assisting communities and producers in the West. NRCS Chief Terry Cosby says USDA is utilizing this framework and all available tools to deliver assistance that the severity of the water supply challenges in the West demand. From 2020 to 2022, more than $410 million of annual conservation assistance NRCS provided to producers helped to address water in the West. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack has announced funding for agricultural producers and forest landowners to participate in voluntary conservation programs and adopt climate-smart practices. The Inflation Reduction Act provided an additional $19.5 billion over five years for climate-smart agriculture through several USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service programs. NRCS is making available $850 million in fiscal year 2023 for its oversubscribed conservation programs, the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, Conservation Stewardship Program, Agricultural Conservation Easement Program, and Regional Conservation Partnership Program.
Secretary Vilsack says, we know that agriculture plays a critical role in the nation's efforts to help address climate change. The Inflation Reduction Act funding includes an additional $8.45 billion for EQIP, $4.95 billion for RCPP, $3.25 billion for CSP, and $1.4 billion for ASAP. The increased funding levels begin in fiscal year 2023 and rapidly build over four years. The additional investments are estimated to help hundreds of thousands of farmers and ranchers apply conservation to millions of acres of land. USA's Foreign Agricultural Service is accepting applications from exporters of U.S. farm and food products for a two-city trade mission to Japan June 5th through the 8th. The trade mission offers U.S. agribusinesses the potential to increase or expand their sales to Japan, one of the United States' top five agricultural export markets. U.S. exports of agricultural products to Japan exceeded $14.6 billion in 2022. FAS Administrator Daniel B. Whitley says this trade mission will help many U.S. agribusinesses establish new business connections with their Japanese counterparts and further expand U.S. agricultural exports to this key Asian market. Trade mission participants will travel to Tokyo and Osaka, connecting with potential customers and learning firsthand from government and industry leaders about local market conditions. Participants will also visit local retail stores and food manufacturers to round out the program. Applications are due by February 27th. Those interested in participating in the trade mission should visit USDA's FAS website at fas.usda.gov. Congress heard from the American Farm Bureau Federation recently regarding the updated waters of the U.S. rule. Farm News reporter Michael Clements shares what farmers and ranchers are saying. Missouri Farm Bureau President Garrett Hawkins told Congress Wednesday the updated waters of the U.S. rule creates uncertainty and unnecessary costs for farmers and ranchers. So what we as Farm Bureau had the chance to share with the House Transportation Infrastructure Subcommittee is that the only thing certain under the new Biden rule is uncertainty. Truly, as a farmer, there is no way to take the rule text as it's been presented and published and determine whether you have features on your land that are jurisdictional or not. And that uncertainty is what we have dealt with for decades and what we need to correct in the long term. Hawkins says the uncertainty created by the rule, which was released late last year, impacts the day-to-day operations for farmers and ranchers. It's about the potential for being exposed to a permitting process and the cost that's associated with hiring experts and attorneys to walk you through the process. It's the uncertainty of potential compliance costs and the potential levying of civil and or criminal penalties. And ultimately, it's the red tape that impacts you to be able to do what you do on the farm. Hawkins urges farmers and ranchers to stand up against WOTUS. I'd encourage folks to work with their state farm bureaus. This is a team effort, and as I think historically, there has been a broad coalition led by agriculture, but covering the gamut of all industry who are standing up and saying, we all support clean water, but we also need clear rules. And in this case, the Biden rule misses the mark yet again. Learn more at fb.org slash WOTUS. Michael Clements, Washington. The nation's average gas price has declined for the second straight week, dropping 7.3 cents from a week ago to 3.37 a gallon. The national average is up 10.9 cents from a month ago and 10.2 cents per gallon lower than a year ago. The national average diesel price fell 7.3 cents last week and stands at an average of 4.52 a gallon. A storm system that developed across the central and southern plains overnight will move northeast today, providing widespread rainfall from northern Texas into Wisconsin. Rainfall with the system could approach up to one inch in some areas. I'm Lori Boyer, your Ag Network. 
Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Thank you.